0: My college life seemed completely normal. Go to parties, hook up with girls, drink a bunch, go to class so you can get a degree in one day, make a lot of money. This dream of being a doctor and having a white picket fence was kind of the dream that was spoken to me every single day. I had this experience and realized that this world does not revolve around me. I told Doug, look man, you know me, you know how messed up my life is, but this Jesus guy says that we're supposed to go to the ends of the earth and tell people about him. Ethan brought up this idea for a trip that he had, to get a group of guys
1: and travel around the world to do good things and help people who needed help and talk about Jesus. I remember somebody telling me, hey, Doug, this is a really cool idea, but I've heard so many things like this before. What makes this different than that? What makes you think that this is actually going
0: to happen? And the only answer I had for him was, it just is. I still didn't feel like I could go. I still felt like at the end they were going to say, you didn't really think you were going to go on this. After everything you've done, you think that we'll send you to other people in other countries. This was becoming so overwhelming for me and so exhausting because my whole life I've always
1: felt like I needed to prove myself. We were planning this trip and while all that's going on, I kind of started dating a it turned into a bit of a harsh reality for me. I had all of these things that I sort of thought were gonna be figured out, and I've got nothing figured out, and before I know it, I'm gonna be getting on a plane and actually leaving for a year.
0: We were ordinary guys, but at the base of it, we knew that we wanted to go out and live in a way that's completely different. This was about a story much bigger than me. We're going to Haiti, we're going to Belize, we're going to Fiji, we're going to India, we're going to Uganda, we're going to Burundi, we're going to Zambia, And we're going to finish it off in South Africa before we head home. It was surreal at that airport. We had anticipated a lot and been so excited and we put the work in and we had the idea of what the year would be but we truly had no idea what we were in for.
1: You guys are like the nicest group of young adults I've ever seen. (laughs) And the best looking group of young adults I've ever seen, I'll tell you that, yeah. Hey, who wants to see that movie, huh? Come on, everybody. There it is. I hear the guys who made that are like super cool guys, so that's a lie. I've actually never heard that. Well... Hey, like Jesse said, my name is Doug Weckenman. I'm the new guy here on staff. Uh, the baby red rocker is kind of what I've been called. So I, I think I've met probably 10 of you, which means there's like 390 of you that I have not met yet. So I'd love to meet you. Come say hi to me um, after service tonight or next Thursday. I promise I'm a super nice guy. I'll, uh, I'll even let you look at my wedding ring. That's so shiny and brand new because I just got married six weeks ago. <laughs> fun fact. <laughs> think of a fun fact about yourself and you can tell it to me. To this beautiful blonde girl right here in the second row, she's such a supportive wife being right in the second row, man. Well, hey guys, let me give you. Um, well, you know what? Let's do this first. I'm so excited to be here tonight. Honestly, Jesse saw this trailer and asked me, like, would you come and speak to the young adults about this year-long mission trip and kind of relate it to um, sharing the gospel through how we live our lives. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I'm. I'm not that great at it. I'm not a pro at it. Um, to be honest, I'm. I'm flawed in a lot of ways, but lucky for me, it's not about me or anything I've done tonight. It's about Jesus and what he's done. And I'm, uh, yeah, I'm alive and breathing tonight, just like all of you, not because any of us are awesome, but because he's awesome. So can we, uh, let's start this night off right. Let's just give this to Jesus right from the very beginning. So would you guys bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for this wonderful group of people. Um, God, I know, I know that you're everywhere, and I know that you're in this room right now, but we want you to know tonight how welcome you are in here with us. If it wasn't about you, this would be pointless. And, and I just pray tonight for the wonderful gift of focus tonight. God, I know there's, life is crazy and there are so many things that wanna constantly distract us right outside of these walls and even on our phones in our pockets. And I just pray that you'd help focus our minds tonight and open our hearts, God, because I know there are things that you want us to hear tonight, so would you speak through me? I give you these words. Let them not be mine. Let them be yours. We love you so much, and pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. We'll give you a little background about this documentary. I, uh, I was saved halfway through college about five or six years ago up in CU Boulder through a ministry called The Annex. Um, Yeah, some of you might have heard of that. It's a lot like this place. And long story short, man, I've pretty much, I've been a passionate guy my entire life. I've ran after, you know, a life full of fulfillment and fun. I just spent the majority of it looking for that stuff in all the wrong places. Maybe you can relate, whether it was, you know, success in school or success at work or sex or alcohol and drinking or probably my reputation and getting people to like me. That was probably the biggest one. And, you know, those things do it for a while until you get exhausted enough and wake up one morning and realize that though I had thrown everything at the world, it chewed me up and spat me back out. And all of these things that I thought were here are not. And a life full of purpose and fulfillment was like nowhere to be seen. And so one night, on Tuesday night, I stumbled into the annex and God just grabbed me. I really don't know how else to say it but that. He grabbed me and it happened to a few other guys around the same time who have become my best friends now, and we started to read the Bible for ourselves, and what I noticed in the Bible, I was like, man, the guys in the Bible who took Jesus at his word and took him seriously when he said to go do something, they seemed to experience that life full of purpose and that life of, of meaning that I wanted, you know? They seemed to, to experience all of that, and it was so basic and so simple, and I look at this book, and I'm like, man, and, and the good news is, is these guys are, there's nothing special about them, and God used them. There's nothing special about me or my friends, but, but you know maybe God can use us, and there was something so basic and simple about it. One of my favorite stories that I read um, in the book of Acts is about Peter and John, two of Jesus' disciples who were out in the street, and they were teaching about Jesus, and then the Pharisees got, got word of that, and, and they weren't too happy about that, so they called Peter and John in front of the Sanhedrin, and basically what they said is, knock it off, stop talking about Jesus, or else we're gonna kill you, and I love their response. It was so easy. They said, do what seems right to you. As for us, we cannot help but speaking about what we have seen and heard. I'm like, that's so awesome. You're telling that to these guys who are threatening to kill you right now. Hey, man, we've seen things. We've heard things. We can't help now but going out and talking about it. And I'm like, talking to my friends like, guys, we've seen things. We've heard things. We know a little bit about God, not a whole lot. This whole thing's kind of new to us, man, but it seems like we're supposed to go out and just tell people about it, so let's do that. Let's Let's go for a year around the world and travel to different countries and share the love of Jesus with people, and we did. We took small steps and then bigger steps and prayed small prayers and then prayed bigger prayers, and time after time after time, God just answered those prayers and made a way for it to happen, and, and eventually it was January in 2012, and we got on a plane and left for a year to travel around the world and go speak and Um, teach about Jesus in nine different countries, and it was the most epic year of my life. I've got stories from that that, honestly, I'm lucky to be here alive to get to talk to you guys about, but um, honestly, like, if I could give you just uh, the fastest recap of it that I can, which is hard because it's a year. It's like you come back, and they're like, how was your year? I don't know. How was your last year? There's a lot to, like, say about that, (laughs) but we started in January. We went to to Haiti, and we spent a month there doing earthquake relief, working with a couple of organizations. And then we got on a bus and crossed the border into the Dominican Republic, and spent a couple weeks teaching English classes there. There was a 24-hour span in the DR where um, we crashed a motorcycle that all of us were somehow riding. Uh, going pretty quickly, I was driving. That was my fault. And then a few hours later, one of, my, one of us, not me, uh, sliced the back of his head open like a four-inch gash in the back of your head, no joke, you could like almost see his skull. And we're like, well, we don't have a hospital, but we have super glue, so we'll super glue your head shut. And then we did that and it worked. And that was like, <laughs> don't try that. That's not like, hey, super glue fixes uh, head gashes. Because I think like that, that was probably some divine intervention there. God's like, well, I'm gonna make up for the fact that you guys are morons and I'm gonna help <laughs> you out here. So that was a repetitive theme throughout the trip. And then, and then not, 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 I'm not joking, a few hours after that, we were taking a break and uh, swimming. In the water, and another one of us, not me again, my little brother, um, was like going through an underwater cave and reached on a rock to pull himself through, and he high-fived a sea urchin with his hand and got 16 barbs straight through his hand. And at at that point, we're like, well, maybe we should leave the Dominican Republic. So we got on a plane, (laughs) and we went to Belize, and we got to spend a month being a part of funding and building a new orphanage there. Um, There was an afternoon walking home from the orphanage that we Um, Tried to trek through the jungle to take a shortcut and got lost and had to like swim across this river that was infested with crocodiles and hold our camera bags above our head and just yeah another one of those moments where God's like, all right, I'm going to take care of you because you guys are dumb. And so then we're like, all right, well, let's keep going. We got on a plane and we we headed across the Pacific Ocean. Um, To the South Pacific, to Fiji, and spent two months trekking across the islands of Fiji looking for remote villages and people to tell about Jesus and survived a a hurricane and a flood there, which was crazy. And then it was our mid-trip break in Sydney, Australia after that, and we spent a week surfing and eating pizza because other than family and friends and a girlfriend... The two biggest things that you miss while you're gone that long from the United States are chipotle burritos and pizza. So eating pizza, honestly, when you've just been eating rice and beans for six months, is like a worshipful experience. Like you eat pizza and cry, even though it's just Pizza Hut. <laughs> and after that, we went to uh, we went to India and we got to work with a local pastor named Timothy. And Timothy, a five foot two, one hundred and ten pound Indian guy, just a beast of a Christ follower. This guy is just the man. He has devoted his life to working in the red light districts and pulling little girls out of the awful life of sex trafficking and introducing them to Jesus and giving them new homes. So getting to hang out with this guy for a month, I mean, what an experience that was. And then we went to Africa and spent the final six months on a journey from Uganda all the way down to um, Cape Town. And what we did was worked with organizations and got to go to primary schools and teach uh, little kids about um, making good choices and HIV and abstinence and why they should make good choices because they're valuable and regardless of what people have told them their whole lives, they have value because the creator of the universe just so happens to say they have value and getting to be the guys that like, got to tell these kids that there was a God who loved them. I'm just like, why, why do I get to be here doing this? And then we, we finished in Cape Town for a couple weeks and just had fun. We, we went swimming with uh, great white sharks and uh, there was we were in a cage, but it sounds a lot cooler when you leave the cage out of it. I was gonna do that, but I'm like, we're in a church, I can't lie, we were in a cage. Um, we rafted the Nile and got to bungee jump, and then in December of 2012, we came home, and I got to hug my mom and hug my girlfriend, who's now my wife, and I know I've said that already, that's redundant, but I'm newly married, and I just like to say I have a wife, so give me that, <laughs> get off my back, all right, yeah. You'll understand when you're newly married. And for the last 18 months, we've been working on this documentary that is like 10 days away from being done. And I tell you guys all of this to make this point right here that there's a little bit of danger in me telling you guys all this story because there's there's a chance that some of you might hear that and think that there's something special or good about me and my friends, and somehow we're good enough or qualified enough Christians or righteous enough people who know enough about Jesus to get to go and do something like this. And I got to tell you guys, that could not be farther from the truth. It could not be farther from the truth. Man, you read the Bible, and you cannot make a case that God just uses people who are qualified. You could make a pretty strong case that he doesn't use anybody who's qualified, like from Adam to Abraham and Moses to Rahab and King David and Bathsheba, Mary Magdalene and all his disciples, like everybody you read about in the Bible, that's a story from cover to cover of broken, sinful people Just like us, who have been beaten up and who have fallen short, and God uses them to do some some incredible things, not because they're qualified, but simply because they're willing to go and open their mouths. And that's the thesis of our documentary. Like, we made this thinking, man, if we could go back in time five years and tell ourselves anything, what would we say to ourselves five years ago? And and here's the, the thesis of tonight. So if you're a note taker and you write anything down, write this down. I've got a nice little fancy slide for you guys, too. What do we need to know tonight? We need to know that a life full of purpose, fulfillment, and joy is found in taking Jesus seriously when he tells us to do things. Namely, the Great Commission, which we're going to read about. The Great Commission is the mission that Jesus has given us to go into the world and love people and tell them about Jesus. Okay, so why, we know what, so why do we need to know it? Well, because we are desperate, you and me, we are desperate whether we consciously know it or admit it or not for a life that's full of life and purpose and fulfillment and joy. So if you're here tonight and you feel broken, like something deep in your heart is fractured and you're longing for more, you can take comfort in knowing that you're in good company with me and everybody else in this room, everybody else in the world. I mean, the world is fractured. You don't need to be a Christian to admit that something's gone wrong in the world that's rooted in human hearts. All you have to do is turn on the news. Things are crazy right now. This world is in desperate need of Jesus, man. We're all fractured, you and me, everybody else, in the same boat, broken people, screwed without Jesus. We are, we don't stand a chance without Jesus. That's all it is. We're broken people, all right? And the world is in need of the love of him. And it's our mission to get it to them, whether that means getting on a plane and crossing an ocean or whether that means walking out your front door and crossing the street and knocking on your neighbor's door. It's our mission to get that love to him, and that is where life and life to the full is found. In John ten ten, John ten ten is a very uh, well known verse. Jesus says this. He says, "The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy." I think there's some evidence of that in the world that that is true. But this is Jesus. I have come that you might have life, and have it to the full. And we long for life to the full because we were created to experience life to the full. And there are a few like virtues and ideas. Um, that are in all of the books that we love and movies that we watch that kind of strike something deep in us and stir up a passion for life. Just to name a few, like the idea of sacrifice and people, stories of people who will give up their lives to save somebody else. Like, Like, go with me on this. But there's a reason at the end of the seventh Harry Potter book that you get so, if you're reading Harry Potter, cover your ears right now, this is a spoiler. There's a reason at the end of that book that you get so fired up when Harry walks into the forest to lay down his life for his friends, and something in you is just like, that is awesome, Harry, you're the man, and you secretly imagine yourself as Harry while you're reading it. Don't (laughs) pretend that you don't do that. You know that you do that. That's a story of sacrifice. It strikes a chord down deep because your heart was designed to love stories like that because there was a God who left heaven to come to earth to sacrifice himself for you, and he designed your heart that way. It points to that. Or another one, we love the idea of a love that is so strong that it can never be broken no matter what opposition it faces. Like, you'll go, you'll go pay $10 to see whatever the next romantic comedy is that comes out in the movie theaters, you, even though you know how it's going to end. Because every romantic comedy is the exact same storyline. Like, there's a love that brews, and then maybe a secret comes out. And and just when you think all is lost, surely all is lost. But then, no, the love comes through in the end. Because nothing is stronger than that kind of love, to quote one of my favorite movies. So it's not going to be easy. It's going to be really hard. And we're going to have to work at this every day. But I want to do that because I want you. I want all of you forever, you and me, every day. See? Yeah? I wrote you 365 letters. I wrote you every day for a year. You wrote me? Yes. It wasn't over. It still isn't over. Bam, epic kiss on a dock by the lake because nothing's going to stop that kind of love, not even pouring rain. Right? At least that's what I'm told. I've never actually seen it. Nah, that's a lie. I have. But only because Rachel McAdams is in it. No, that's also lies because Ryan Gosling's in it. He's just so cool. (laughs) We love stories of love like that because your heart was designed to be loved by a God whose love will never fail. Or how about this? What about themes like good that conquers evil? You know, I could go Harry Potter on you again with that. I won't. You could go Lord of the Rings. What about Gladiator? You don't watch Gladiator and, and not pretend that you're Maximus. Stabbing the emperor at the end, that's not morbid. The emperor represents evil and Maximus destroys evil. Good conquers evil in the end, it's awesome. Or how about this, this is the last one, this is my favorite one, I believe this with all my heart, but we all long for and desire with all our hearts to be a part of a story that's bigger than ours. To be a part of a fight that's bigger than our own fight. Like why do you think we follow sports the way we do? Why do you think we follow the Broncos the way we do? I love the Broncos. Guys, there's like, can I just say this? There's like a 97.8% chance that the Broncos are gonna win the Super Bowl this year. It's just reality. It's true. Anybody who says differently, I don't trust. I don't, man. But here's the thing. I love the Broncos. I don't play on the Broncos. I don't know any of the guys who play on the Broncos. You're probably in the same boat as me. Yet this fall, for like 98% of us, our weeks will be emotionally affected, depending on whether the Broncos win or lose the game. Like, back in February when the Broncos lost to the Seahawks. It's OK, because they're going to win this year. But back in February, men's civilization within a 100 mile radius of Denver shut down for a week. <laughs> because a bunch of guys playing football lost a game. Like, have you ever thought about like, how strange that is? I think it says something awesome about our hearts and what we were created for. We were created to be a a part of something bigger than ourselves, to be a part of like a battle and a fight like that. You were designed for so much more, created for so much more, created for something bigger than you, created to fight alongside of each other and lay down our lives and sacrifice and unconditionally love the world because there is an evil that needs to be stopped in this world. And if that was not true, we would not have the books or movies or sports that we do. And you got to hear me say this because... I'm a a book nerd, I'm a movie buff, and I'm a sports guy, and all of those things are awesome, but they are all also temporary. And what you cannot miss tonight is the fact that right now, right where you are sitting, right smack in your chair, you are sitting in the middle of the most epic story of unbreakable love and good triumphing over evil and sacrifice that the universe shall ever know. You're sitting right in the middle of it. It's happening right outside of these doors, and it's actually real. Like, it's real, and you have an invitation to be a part of it. It's in the Great Commission, which, which is in Matthew 28. So let's, let's look at this. If you have your Bibles, grab them, open to Matthew 28. If not, it's going to be up on the screen, so no big deal. Um, before we get there, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to try to paint uh, the setting so that we can really feel the weight of what Jesus is about to say. So Jesus' disciples have been following him uh, for three years, once upon a time, they were fishermen, and then Jesus showed up on the beach and said, hey guys, follow me, and they were like, okay, That's a, this is a paraphrase, by the way, and they followed him, and their lives were completely turned upside down. They followed this guy for three years and saw that this was a man on a mission. They, they saw how Jesus loved and the people that he went for. He went for the outsiders, the people who need loved, the people who had been beaten up by the world, the people who had been fallen short, the people with no friends, the people who were the quote-unquote sinners of the time, those are the people that he was after. He was a man on a mission, and his disciples became aware pretty quickly, okay, this guy's not just a good leader, he's not just a good teacher, he's not just a prophet, he he really is who he says he is. He's the Messiah, he's the the son of God. And they got caught up in this mission with Jesus. And then one day, they go from the all-time high to the all-time low when Jesus is captured and crucified. And to the best of their knowledge, he is no more, and they're never gonna see him again. But then you know the story. Two days, three days later, he rises from the grave, conquers death, walks out of his tomb, and go finds his friends. Hey, guys, just conquered death. You know? And they go back to that all-time high, like, yes, the mission is back on. Here we go, Jesus. What's the next plan? And he sits him down, and he tells him something that I think probably really surprises them. He said, guys, you know the mission, and I'm handing it over to you. And then he floats up into the clouds. Imagine that. See, Jesus? He just hands it over and says, this is you. So Matthew 28, verse 18, here we go. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. All right, let's just stop there. So what does that mean? Why has all of the authority in heaven on earth been given to him? Well, because a few days before he said that, he was dead. Now he's not, now he's alive. And there's like an unspoken rule that when you die and you stare death in the face and you conquer it and then you walk out of your tomb, You've got authority. In Jesus' case, you have all the authority in heaven and on earth, and people should listen to what you have to say. So he's saying, I have all the authority. He's setting us up for what he's going to say next. All authority is mine. There's not a molecule on this planet or any other planet in the universe that won't do exactly what I say when I tell it to do it. My my father is currently holding constellations in his hand right now. (laughs) What? You know, I tell storms and oceans what to do, and they listen to me. All right, I let the Romans arrest me and crucify me, and then I walked out of my grave three days later. All authority is mine, so listen to what I have to say because this is important. And Red Rocks Young Adults, this is your invitation tonight to be a part of that story and to have front row seats to see what Jesus is doing around the world. He says this, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Mark says it. Mark's um, a little bit more simple than Matthew. Mark says the same thing in a little bit different way. Go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So simple. I mean, there's massive, it's massive. There's massive implications to that one sentence alone, and it can be overwhelmingly daunting what exactly that means, but the simplicity of it is kind of